time to share my story. I share the why behind this sacred space I'm creating and the transformational power of energetics through the highs and lows of my own experience. Hello, my loves, and welcome to the Kindred Sage podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Brianna, and I'm on a mission to energetically up-level my life and teach you how to do the same. To raise your vibrations, re-examine your perception of self, and nourish the confidence to create an extraordinary experience here on Earth. Are you ready to expand with me? Let's dive in. Hello, love, and welcome back to the Kindred Sage podcast. I just celebrated my 34th lap around the sun, and there's nothing I love more than spending my birthday week in contemplation. Just reviewing the growth over the last 12 months and gauging how in touch I'm feeling and how aligned I'm living and resting in gratitude for the life I've created and transformation that I've experienced. And this year's review is quite beautiful because it's been a year of great rebirth in many ways. And to make it even more special, Kindred Sage LLC was born into its official blossoming business on my birthday. How aligned is that? So in honor of rebirths, I feel it's time to share my story. I share the why behind this sacred space I'm creating and the transformational power of energetics through the highs and lows of my own experience. The highs include being the first in my family to graduate with a college degree, um, traveling abroad and living in Italy, that's a highlight of my life, and creating the vibrant badass life I live currently. (laughs) The lows, though, were marked with deep abandonment wounds and physical and emotional abuse and an intense death of my father and in turn my perception of self. And in those low times, the darkness was crippling, to be honest. I know what it feels like to live in pain and to have that emotional pain turn into physical pain, to be floundering after anything that could numb it and then waking up in tears uttering, I don't belong here. But I also know what it feels like to break through the darkness, to release the density, and to rekindle the light within. Looking back from where I stand now, I see my life in three distinct phases. The caterpillar, the cocoon, and the butterfly. So I'm going to take you through this evolution in three parts, highlighting key moments that are deeply imprinted on me and in turn have led to my biggest breakthroughs in life, leading to more joy, more freedom, and more love than I ever thought was possible. And I've got to take a deep breath because this feels really vulnerable to record, like for the world to hear. But if there's one lesson I could cherry pick as the best in terms of my own growth this past year, it's that vulnerability leads to connection, which in turn leads to mutual healing. A few of my friendships have gone deep this past year because these friends trust in me and in our vulnerability. And within that openness, we find meaningful connection and healing exchange. And the biggest gift from those connections is learning that I am not alone, that each of us face 
darkness in one form or another, that our individual wounding is also our collective wounding, which conversely means our individual healing is also our collective healing. And if sharing my story gives even one lovely soul out there a glimpse of hope, a shimmer of light out of the darkness that they find themselves in right now, well then it will be worth the butterflies 10 times over because we are here together to heal together. And please remember this, you are not alone. So let's jump into the caterpillar phase. (laughs) Let's throw it back to 1988 and mom is pregnant. She made it through most of the San Diego summer with a butterball in her belly. Yes, they really did call me the butterball. You'll see why. (laughs) But on August 26th, she wasn't prepared to birth all 10 pounds, 7 ounces. So she opted for a C-section. And it's a girl. That soundbite is the first chronological memory I have of my life. And it's because I saw the homemade video my father had taken that day in the OR. And it was his voice revealing the gender from behind the camcorder. I was so young when I saw this video, but for some reason I instantly recognized his tone as disappointment. I don't know if they knew my gender, but it's a girl. (laughs) Kind of sounds like he wanted a boy. I mean, what man doesn't? I get it. But um, yeah, that's like my first memory of my life. And it's because I saw it through a video. And then timeline escapes me a bit here because, you know, I'm a baby at this point. Somewhere soon after birth, mama was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and decided she wanted to go experience life before her body failed her, leaving me and my father in her wake. So dad becomes my knight in shining armor. He takes care of me. He's affectionate. He feeds me cheese. I'll share a photo of that on my Instagram. I'm cheesing hard in my high chair. And to this day, cheese is my favorite food. (laughs) But my needs are met at this point. So he is imprinted as my safety and stability, the home base from which I explore the world and develop my sense of self. We had that for a little while just the two of us. And then a new woman starts coming around more and more. She's nice and she's pretty and she dresses me in cute clothes that actually fit and they have bows on them. And I like her and my dad seems to like her too. And during this time, my birth mom is in and out of my life and I get to have sleepovers sometimes and she has a new boyfriend too. And this was actually a guardian angel connection because my mother's boyfriend turned husband turned ex-husband was the son of a tenacious woman who really balanced out some of the craziness that was happening between the adults in my life. Another cool part was that his father was one of the founders of SeaWorld in San Diego. So part of that balancing was spent behind the scenes at SeaWorld and the Wild Animal Park, which is now the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. This is actually probably where I got my love of wildlife now that I think about it. 
So I'll share a picture of that too. I have a picture of me as a little girl petting a baby cheetah. <laughs> so cool. But anyways, it was during this period of my life that my not so stable mother thought it was a good idea to remove me from San Diego without my father's permission. I'm told he had full custody at this point, but who really knows? Stories vary. I have memories of being with her and her boyfriend up on the North Coast, like Arcata area. And I remember playing in the ball pit at the McDonald's where she met my dad and his girlfriend so they could take me back home. They would later tell me that she had kidnapped me. It was soon after that escapade that my dad's girlfriend became pregnant. And I was aware of a lot of tension between my dad and his family about her having a baby, but definitely wasn't old enough to grasp why it was there. But he was told to do the right thing and marry her. And she had the baby and then they got married about two months later, two days before my birthday. Side note, in part two, you'll find out how this date was actually my portal into a parallel universe. But now I officially have a stepmother and a new sibling and my dad seems happy and life is good. And one afternoon I was home with my stepmom and the phone rang and I could hear my dad crying on the other side and he had found his mother dead in her own bed and she was an alcoholic and she had drank herself to death and he crumbled. And as the grieving crept in, it allowed for other darkness to enter my life. And this is when the abuse began, physical and emotional torment from my stepmother. And my dad received a large inheritance from his mother, and they were expecting another child, so he purchased a luxurious home overlooking Mission Bay with spectacular views of the SeaWorld fireworks every night during the summer. On the outside, they worked hard to make it look like the perfect family. On the inside, it was far from it. At this point, it was nonstop abuse, physical and emotional for my stepmom. I have memories of hiding like under the counter with my eyes closed and praying that I would die just to get away from her. She brawled on me so hard. One time she hit me with such force that one of my brackets on my braces uncemented from my front tooth and was dangling on the wire. And she would convince my dad to do painful things like whip me with his thickest belt, and he obeyed without fight at all. He was just too numb to do any different. And I felt so alone and so abandoned by my father, who was supposed to be my safety. And then Child Protective Services knocked on the door. One of the neighbors, or maybe a teacher at the school, reported them for child abuse. I was covered in bruises, and when they asked me how they happened, I said it was the slide at school. Well, have you heard of Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah, that's the sort of psychology that was at play here, because if those agents took a jaunt down to the school, they would find no slide. Those were bruises absolutely from her hand and his belt. But I didn't know what torment would happen if I told the truth. So at 10 years old, I protected my abuser to protect myself. In the spring of 2001, the backbone of my father's family passed away. My great-grandmother, who was a force of nature and who I believe watches over me to this day. And she took her place in the heavens. 
I remember sitting on her lap and just admiring her. She had the most beautiful jewelry. I loved painting her nails when I was young, and I always felt really connected to her. But her death darkened the cloud of grief that my dad was still sitting under, and his drinking became more noticeable. And then that same year, only five days after Christmas, my dad went to check in on his brother who had fallen on some rough times. And the phone rang, and it was my dad sobbing on the other side again. He had found his brother dead in his apartment with a shotgun. And you can imagine what this overwhelming grief did to him. He had no skills to cope, so he cocooned himself within his numbing agent. And this time, it became a violent constant. The days would often end with him lying in the hallway while my stepmom kicked him and screamed what a worthless piece of shit he was. That was until her addiction rang the doorbell and my dad paid his workers, quote unquote, for a little bag of white stuff. But honestly, I preferred when this transaction happened because they would both mellow out and I would get a reprieve from the attacks. When they had those nights, it was okay to relax and let my guard down a little. And you know, be a kid. But that was short-lived. And in 2002, it all came crumbling down. We came home after school one afternoon and there was a padlock on the front door and the house had been foreclosed on. Turns out the business my dad had started building before I was born had now disintegrated into ash. He lost all of his clients because he was showing up to the job site smelling like booze and failing to meet expectations. He would leave for work and find somewhere to drink his day away, and the inheritance ran dry, and there was no safety net to catch them. So after a brief stint of living out of a car and then staying with relatives, my stepmom moved us three children into a two-bedroom apartment, and I really do appreciate this effort because she gave me a place to live while my dad was lost in his abyss. But at this juncture... She obviously needed income, so she got a job at the private school that we attended. Why were we going to private school at this point? I do not know. But during my time at the school, I had gotten close to a girl in my class who was adopted from Mexico, and she was really sweet, and she became my best friend. And she was probably the first kid that I actually opened up to, and she actually knew some of the details about how I was treated at home. But she also knew that it was wrong. So she decided to tell people about it. Now, when whispering of that got back to my stepmother, she cornered my friend and threatened her, my friend, who's a ninth grader, threatened her to mind her own business. Thankfully for my friend, her dad saw this encounter and demanded that the school fire my stepmom, which they promptly did because, hello, crazy, who does that? That was a rough ride home from school. It was like 40 minutes of her pitching anything and everything she could at me, screaming at the top of her lungs that it was all my fault. I mean, unstable is putting it lightly. But I actually feel some empathy toward her because she was navigating some wild shit. But she was also perpetuating it by her dense and abusive behavior in the moment because Just like my dad, she didn't have the skills or knowledge to transmute that pain that she was going through. She just kept attracting the same low-density experiences. 
When we parked, she stormed off, leaving me behind to collect everything out of the car. And that's when I heard a voice that said, run now, run now. And I grabbed my book bag. I locked the car doors and I never looked back. I found my father at my aunt's house and I told him I was going to live with him. I would not take no for an answer. We bunked together in a 16 square foot office and I had one black trash bag of my childhood belongings, which included my purple bedspread that I rolled out on the floor every single night and rolled back up every single morning. The craziness from my stepmom only increased in my absence, which I didn't understand because she seemed to hate me being in her presence. You would think it was a relief to have me like not there, but she would call my dad's office phone and leave glass shattering screams of profanity, much of which was directed at me and how much I had ruined her life. I remember one afternoon I was riding in the passenger seat of the family van that my dad had gotten in the separation or demolition, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But we were headed to TJ Maxx to get some clothes because I was growing like a weed at that point. And it was in ninth grade. So I was 14. And I didn't have much that fit. And that's when I heard her screaming and I turned around and she was driving right behind us with her head out the window yelling, get that bitch out of my car. And I locked the doors and I looked at my dad and I was like, go, you please, you've got to go. And he said, I can't. She has my kids. So I jumped out of the car and I just started running and I ran as fast as I could back to my aunt's house. And I can remember, I can feel it right now. I can remember the panic of banging on their front door, begging them to let me in because I thought she was right behind me. This led to my aunt taking me to court to file a restraining order against her at the ripe old age of 14. So even though I was still cloaked in a shroud of their craziness, the adults in my life just not having their shit together... There was a sense of freedom living with my dad, and I felt like I could actually talk to people at school and hang out with my classmates, something I had rarely done before in my life. And that's when two more guardian angels stepped in, and I was invited to go on a spring break road trip to Northern California with a girl from my class and her parents. And I begged my dad to let me go, and he finally gave his permission Little did I know the journey that was about to begin. Dun, dun, dun. I'm going to leave this as the cliffhanger uh, for the transition into the next period of my life, which was the cocoon. So stay tuned next week, part two. If you enjoyed this episode of the Kindred Sage podcast, please leave a review or even just a love note. I like those too. I really appreciate your support and I appreciate your growth mindset even more. We are here together to heal together and I'm honored to be on this journey with you.